between calling it the Taiwan representative office uh, and not calling it Taipei, which people here dislike. Uh, so it was called Taiwanese, which almost seems like they're talking about the people, not the place. Uh, but, but the fact that it was not called the Taipei Economic and, and Cultural Representative Office, this uh, clearly upset China, and they've taken a number of measures which have been reported uh, trade or diplomatic uh, uh, restrictions on, on interactions with Lithuania. Uh, so we, we've seen a number of measures here in Taiwan which were expected. Uh, first, you start with the political you know, statements of support by government officials here and, and uh, uh, criticizing China's reaction. Uh, then we saw uh, trade delegations from Taiwan visit Lithuania. Uh, then we saw a few days ago the state-controlled uh, liquor company here in Taiwan said they were going to import a whole, a whole bunch of liquor uh, that was originally destined for China, but now uh, the Chinese buyer doesn't want. So uh, the, the latest iteration in, uh, yesterday was that the Taiwan government is going to create a fund uh, to invest in, in uh, uh, Lithuania. Uh, what some of the listeners might not know is actually the government here still controls a, a large section of the economy in Taiwan. There's still many state-controlled companies in different sectors, uh, whether it's shipbuilding, steel, financial services, uh, agriculture. So it's very easy for the government to, to snap its fingers and, and make available financial resources for something like this. Uh, uh, what we should watch out for is whether other countries will throw up their head and say, yeah, if you'll invest $200 million in our country, we'll change the name from Taipei office to Taiwanese office. It sounds like you're going to have a very nice new year over there with all this Lithuanian rum that you're going to be buying. Ross, thanks very much indeed. Have a good new year. That's Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at Safepro Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets in Australia, first of all, uh, the S&P uh, S&P ASX 200 is down 1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan down 0.8%. Cosby in South Korea on the slide as well, off about a third of percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about 50 points at the Open this morning. Thanks very much for listening this morning. Do please join me again at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Back chats uh, coming up in a moment with Janice Wong and Jenny Lamb. Let me give you an update on the uh, on the weather forecast for today. It's going to be mainly fine. Maximum temperature around 23 degrees and then fine with cool mornings in the next couple of days. Temperature right now is 19 degrees, 84% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. A prominent virologist has questioned why the government is waiting until tomorrow to tighten pandemic restrictions. Professor Malik Paris from the University of Hong Kong called for decisive intervention right now, given how quickly the Omicron variant spreads. He also said the government should consider opening up more vaccination centers as more people rush to get jabs. He was commenting about the tougher measures to be imposed on Friday, which include banning flights from high-risk countries, closing some entertainment venues for 14 days, and not allowing dining in at restaurants after 6 p.m. If we want to get back to where we were a few weeks ago, uh, where there was no local transmission taking place within Hong Kong, um, I think uh, preemptive intervention at this stage was absolutely crucial because we know how how quickly, how fast Omicron spreads. Um, and, and given the multiple clusters that we can already see, and in fact, I, I'm afraid we could have predicted, given the four index cases and where they had been moving around, um, I think the only hope of rapidly getting back to where we were is to take uh, uh, quite decisive interventions right now. 
Meanwhile, officials are searching for people who had breakfast on Friday at a Tin Hao Tea House restaurant that's at the center of a new cluster of Omicron cases. They say they believe a surveyor who was previously considered to be an unlinked COVID case ate there at the same time as a woman who contracted the virus from her flight attendant daughter. Two people who dined with the woman, as well as the husband of one of the pair, are also preliminary positive. Microbiologist Yun Kwok Young said after an inspection that ventilation was poor at the time because a system to bring in fresh air was not operating. He said finding the source of the surveyor's case was vital. Identifying the source of the infection of this surveyor is an important finding. It means Hong Kong doesn't have any unlinked cases yet, because we now know the surveyor came into contact with someone who is linked to the flight attendant. Officials have concluded three lockdown and testing operations imposed overnight with no positive cases found. They carried out 135 tests at Serene Court in Causeway Bay, 320 checks at a block of the Providence Center in New North Point, and 60 te- tests at Rockview Gardens in Kowloon The tests were ordered after residents of each of those blocks tested preliminary positive. France has reported 335,000 new cases of COVID-19, its highest ever figure for a single day. The country also registered 246 It's 246 deaths linked to the coronavirus as the government attempts to get parliament to back a controversial bill barring unvaccinated people from much of public life. The health minister, Oliver Varane, defended the country's vaccines following remarks from the opposition that they were ineffective given the high COVID cases. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. Good morning. Good morning. On today's program, COVID restrictions, flight bans, mandatory business suspensions, a curfew for dine-in meals at restaurants. They're all coming back as the government tries to contain what it fears may be a mass outbreak of the highly infectious Omicron variant of COVID-19. The kids will still be allowed to go to school for now and government staff won't be working from home en masse. Experts say these measures made by the government time to fence off a potential mass outbreak. And Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she hopes things could go back to normal by Chinese New Year. Will the restrictions work? Are these measures too much? Or are they too little too late? Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or just give us a call on 233-8826. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have in our Admiralty studio respiratory medicine specialist, Dr. Raymond Cho. And here in our Kowloon Tong studio, we have Jeff Bent, the managing director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals, which operates the Kai Tak Cruise Terminal. Good morning. Good morning to the both of you. Good morning. And welcome to the program. Um, let's start with you, Dr. Cho. Now, most of the latest anti-COVID measures will take effect tomorrow. What do you think of the timing? Well, um, for for the government, in order to for them to implement any uh, restrictions uh, in this large scale, I guess it will take uh, time to implement them and really thought it through. So, I think for two days, in order for them to implement it. Um, 
I mean, from from a administrative point of view, I think it will make sense. But um, for the virus, uh, otherwise, it's it's not waiting. So, so it might be a little bit late for the virus because the virus is not going to wait around. And then we have seen the the third generation and the fourth generations starting to develop and and fortunately i think uh we, we were able to find all the link persons so far so we're just now waiting for the story to unfold so dr show i mean from um st statistics from uh, other countries which have already been hard hit by omicron um, the hospitalization rate of omicron is actually uh quite a bit less than um the other, the, the the previous strains. Do we need to be as worried as um, before about the severity of the disease? Yeah, from 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 the data we've uh, we've seen in other countries, the um, the emission rate is actually, I mean, the severity of the disease is it's much lower than Delta. So I think that that is a good um, point for us because. Um, um, it, it will it will not bring in a mass number of people who require the intensive care uh, uh, unit care. Uh, but having said that, uh, because the transmission rate of Omicron is four to five times more than Delta, so uh, just the sheer amount of people uh, getting infected, and and if you take the fraction, the proportion of the people who required. Um, um, hospitalization, especially with those who are not vaccinated, uh, maybe the sheer number will be higher. So, so it's a toss-up. Basically, we we don't really know. I mean, in, in Hong Kong, we have such a limited uh, number of beds in each hospitals for the intensive care and isolation bed. So, it will easily overwhelm our uh, public sector, um, uh, the intensive care bed and 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 uh, resources. So that's why the government's very nervous and. And, and they they want to get a head start and prepare for, for the worst, basically. All right, uh, let's uh, now bring in Jeff. Um, and the, the latest anti-COVID measures will, will also involve banning all crews to nowhere voyages. Are, are you surprised at all by the decision? Well, I, I think we're in good company. It seems that, you know, most uh, leisure and entertainment venues have all been uh, banned from operating for two weeks. And, you know, while, of course, it's um, disappointing from a business perspective to us and also to people who had planned uh, vacations, um, you know, I, I understand the government's uh, motive to strike early and strike hard um, if, you're, if you're going to try to tackle this while cases are still in the single digits. And uh, we certainly hope that it's an effective strategy and that life can go back to normal as soon as possible. This, uh, sorry, this, uh, this ban is expected to last uh, two weeks. Do you have any idea how many people or, or cruises will be affected? Probably uh, about 10 ship calls will be, will be cancelled as a result. And, you know, Jeff, over the pandemic, we've seen several cases in which people are basically trapped inside the cruise ship because of, of potential spread. How, do you, how would you um, regain public confidence in the cruise business? I think um, it's really evolved a lot since the beginning of the um, since the beginning of COVID. I think two years ago, when COVID first broke out and was spreading on land and nobody knew it, um, was spreading on ships, and it was actually sort of measured and quantified. Um, so a lot of attention went to the ships. But at that time, 
they weren't really equipped. Nobody had, nobody knew how to test for it. People were still trying to, you know, check the temperature, which, of course, as we know now, is is almost pointless. But um, the um, it's it's evolved to the point where in most of the rest of the world, North and South America, Caribbean, Europe, um, cruise ships are sailing again. Um, they treat the disease as um, as as an ongoing fact of life, and um, everybody is uh, tested before they get on a ship. Um, in most um, jurisdictions, or I'd say everybody is vaccinated before they get on the ship. In some jurisdictions, children don't need to be vaccinated, or or people with um, medical exemptions. So I think um, between the 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 strong um, health and safety requirements that make it actually the safest place to be. I mean, I, I can't think of any other entertainment venues where everybody is tested and vaccinated before they before they enter. Plus, um, you know, the onboard facilities are are much better. You know, the cruise lines now have PCR machines on board. They have negative pressure rooms to do isolation and quarantining. Uh, we we all know what we're dealing with now, and um, in in the rest of the world, people uh, accept this as an endemic virus. And as long as the cruise um, incidence of of um, COVID, including Omicron, is much lower than what's happening on land, then okay. then the ships have no problem docking and letting people go. So they're not trying to bottle people up on okay. <laughs> on ships anymore. All right, no. Jeff, Jeff, I just don't want to go back to the decision uh, to suspend cruise to nowhere. Um, that decision uh, comes after the cruise ship Spectrum of the Seas was ordered to uh, return to Hong Kong a day early yesterday because uh, nine people on board were close contacts of a confirmed case uh, and more than 2,000 people on board had to undergo testing. Did all that go smoothly? It went smoothly. Yeah, I think um, um, it's um, not our first time now to do um, to do sort of testing and and uh, have have a lot of different government departments um, at the terminal for this type of operation. So um, it went quite well. All all the parties were you know together on a social messaging app, communicating in real time with each other and. Um, yeah, it, we were pleased with how it with how it all happened. Yeah, Doctor Cho, what do you think of yesterday's arrangement for for testing of passengers on board the cruise ship? I mean, do you do you think the testing of passengers is enough um, to to prevent a possible spread of COVID in the community? Well, from my understanding, the um, the contact person for one of the index case were supposed to be on board. That's why they they uh, had to test to bring the ship back and test the, all the passengers. Um, I, I honestly don't know the the detail of how the ventilations work in, in on the cruise ships and um, with such a crowded area and in people still sharing uh, breakfast um, and buffets and, uh, and and communal areas. Um, I'm sure they are trying their best in in uh, from from the from the photos and the video. I look at it. They they try clean it up and and right away. So. Um, there is no absolute hardcore yes or no to that answer. Um, 
we, we still have to wait, and I'm sure those people who, who were boarded now, it's under a medical surveillance uh, afterwards to make sure that they, they are not carrying the virus out. So, so we, first of all, we don't know whether there was any people actually infected on, on board, so, so it's hard to say. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think just to um, supplement or answer a couple questions, remember that every single person joining that cruise ship tested negative, had a negative PCR test 48 hours before they got on the cruise. Every single adult uh, over 12, including all the crew, uh, were all fully immunized before before the ship called. So, um, okay, I guess as far as the, the ship and, and ventilation, because this is a, a common question, I guess in the, in the case of uh, yesterday's ship, they have 20 uh, air turns per hour. So I think the government requirement for restaurants is six. So uh, there is a lot of, and it's all fresh air into the passenger um, spaces. So the ventilation is quite good. On top of that, the, um, the industry association mandates that the level of filtration is quite high for the air on top of the turns. So it's a, it's a MERV 13 um, standard for for air filtration, which is which is quite good. Um, so uh, the ship um, also remember are sailing at reduced capacity now. So I, I think to me, I, I still have a hard time imagining a safer place to be than somewhere where everybody is tested and fully vaccinated. But then on on top of that, I, I think the environment itself is quite safe. So um, I, I think it's understandable that. Okay, people get a test when they leave, but um, but that should be sufficient, given that they were all already negative and fully vaccinated. Do you think it's about time the government asks the restaurants to step up their ventilation system, as as you've described the requirements for cruise ships are? I I believe they are. I think they're they're looking into it again. But you know, it's a lot harder in in a built environment you know different different buildings um you know have different ventilation systems older ones newer ones i mean you could say half of the equation is is how the restaurant owners fit out the equipment inside their restaurant but then the building itself if it's an old building may not have the best hva system uh either so it's 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 tricky yeah all right. And Dr. Cho, let's go back to the uh, anti-COVID measures announced yesterday. And there are mixed views. I mean, um, some people told me they support it, while others have told me they don't think it's necessary because there aren't many uh, um, local COVID cases yet. But Dr. Cho, it's not really about the number of cases, is it? Well, um I mean, when we look at the numbers, uh, the, the numbers has been exponentially higher for the past two or three days. Uh, it was um, from from the local case, and and that actually alert the government and to see what needs to be done. Um, yes, there there are always going to be two school of thoughts. Still, there are people still refusing to to get vaccinated or wear a mask, and there are people that who are religiously wearing it and 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 get vaccinated. So I think the bottom line is. Is we have to really get the message across to see the vaccination is safe. It's been done worldwide, and we haven't seen um, the side effect with such a high ratio. So, so we we have to get our vaccination high. And a lot of people are saying that okay, you will still get infected um, if if you are vaccinated. But that's beating the point. The point is. 
we're trying to prevent serious case. We're trying to prevent um, the the um, the uh, the needs for the intensive care units. So we we have to really get people out there and and get the message across. And when you look at the data from from uh, the government sites. Um, Above 80 years old, we're still now vaccinated only 22% yesterday when I look. Um, and above, uh, above 70 years old, it's, it's around 40-something uh, percent. So these are the most vulnerable group of um, citizens that, that were in Hong Kong that are not vaccinated. And they will hit the hardest if, if the Omicron is getting out into the community, which we now have a potential of that being going on. What about what about for children under 12 years old? In some countries, children under 12 are vaccinated and our schools are remaining open. So what is what about them? Okay. Um, just like flu, flu vaccine, we always recommended children under 12 to, to uh, get vaccinated. One of the reasons is the ch- children at school, they are very closely related. Uh, um, they are closely together and then they will bring back the virus back to home and bring it back to the elderly at home. So in, in, in Hong Kong, in such a crowded environment, we really have to protect our elderly. And, and that's why that's a, that's a logic of having the kids to, to get vaccinated. And, and data, again, in, in worldwide have shown that it's, it's relatively safe. Um, so, so and, and our vaccination rate below 12 is, is not high either. Yeah. Angela, looking at the um, high transmissibility of uh, the uh, um, Omicron variant, how useful do you think masks are now? Um, that's a very good question. I think in, in, in the FDA and in, in, in the States and in uh, some, some Western countries, they are now recommending N95 uh, quality of mask to be used, which is a little bit impractical because uh, we don't have that many N95. It's medical grade for isolation uh, conditions. Um, I think the best we can do is we just wear our masks, keep our social distancing, keep hand washings. Um, from from the look of the uh, Omicron, if if you look at the the situation in that restaurant uh, in Sha Tin, um, it is highly transmissible. I mean, people from another corner of the restaurant got infected um, while having their meals. So so it will be. Um, I mean, they were all not wearing masks because they are having meals. So I think masks still helps, but it's just, I mean, are, are we going to go for the N95? I mean, it's it's supposed to be fitted and, and no one really, I mean, uh, the general public won't be able to use it properly. So if you're not using a proper mask, then it's not going to work as suggested. Yeah. So, Jeff, yesterday with the with the cruise ship, I I saw some of the videos of, of people standing on the balconies not wearing their mask. Um, is it is it enforceable? How do you enforce it? Um, I I think the um, the government generally asked the the operating cruise lines to commit to um, some some health protocols. I don't think um, wearing a mask in your own cabin was something that they had to, to sign up to. So similar to, I guess, your, your home or, or hotel room. Um, yeah, one, one would hope that, that outside it would be less of an issue, again, with a fully tested, fully 
vaccinated contingent of, of guests. But um, um, yeah, who knows? Hopefully it won't come to that. But uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a few uh, emails here. Maybe uh, Dr. Cho can, can help answer some of the questions. It says, uh, this one is from Anthony. He says, dear back chat, could you please ask one of the experts what is the logic of closing swimming pools? No one ever caught COVID in a swimming pool. It would make more sense to close changing rooms, surely. That's uh, from Anthony. And uh, I have another email here from Philip. He says, Sadly, the government has had to implement restrictions. This time, this time they acted quickly and firmly and had no other option given the present policy. Those responsible for this current outbreak should be criminally held responsible. The Cathay pilots and recently the Cathay staff willfully broke conditions and acted with extreme irresponsibility. They should be ashamed of themselves. And that one is from Phil. Um, Dr Cho, so closing swimming pools, is that necessary? Well... I, I can't imagine you go to a swimming pool without using the locker room. So um, it's it's tie hand in hand. I mean, that's the other question will be whether schools should be closed or should be remain open. Um, these are not. There's no hard yes or no answer to these questions. And and I think right now we are we're in a really critical time, and we are trying to implement a circuit breaker, uh, in in terms of stopping the cases from spreading further. So um, I would suggest administrations will be doing not half-heartedly. I mean, if you're going to, to implement a, a circuit breaker, you should try to, to, to act like a circuit breaker and, and just stop everything and, 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 and stop the, the transmissions. So um, I guess the swimming pool is part of a facilities that, that's highly communion to everyone. So if they, if they have to go to swim, they will change the clothes in the changing room. So, so the logic is having to close the swimming pool and all the, uh, all the sports facilities. Um, having said that, it is highly mentally and physically detrimental to our citizen. So we cannot keep using these circuit breakers. And, and I think a grand scheme of thoughts have to really plan out for the future because not only we know that there's Omicron, there are newer variants in France is popping up. And so it, this this will go on for a while, basically. Yes, yeah, so Professor Yun Kwok Yong at Hong Kong U suggested last week that it's high time we have a vaccine passport. In France, for example, where they do have that, if you don't, if you, if you're not vaccinated, basically you can't even go on public transport. Do you think that's too extreme, or or do you think that's a a, a good circuit breaker? The vaccination uh, passport has been controversial the whole time. I mean, because I I always thought as as a doctor, we always offer choices for people to decide on, because after all, that's their body. But I think now we're to a point that uh, their personal choices may affect um, uh, the community. So it's it's more of an ethical questions whether whether you should uh, implement. Um, like a, a very strict rule with the with the vaccination passport, but I, I do agree with saying that okay, if you don't get vaccinated, you are not allowed to go to some public area, or you 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 are. Um, I think that's the first way of the the uh, vaccine bubbles can help. Um, it, it we we have to see how people respond because 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 there are other stories in 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 the western countries that when you force a citizen to get vaccinated there are um detrimental um effects on them as well such as mentally people 
um, there's a story that people commit suicide because of that, and and so we we don't see uh, we don't want to see those case uh, those incidents happening. In I mean, Hong surely Kong as well. that's a very yeah, minority. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so you so so you hesitant about about a, a vaccine passport. Um, we we talked a lot, um, Jeff and Dr. Cho, about ventilation. Um, what about on public transport? I mean, the the most enclosed spaces in Hong Kong is actually the MTR. Dr. Cho, do you think something needs to be done about public transport when this Omicron is spreading like wildfire? Well, if if you have, I don't think they can improve the ventilation much better than uh, current standard in, in in the MTR and a lot of the public transportation, such as the bus or the tram. Um, they, you can open the windows, but if if you if we have to consider the 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 danger of risking to to take the public transportation, then then we are talking about in short of a curfew that we are not allowing people to go out. Um, so I don't think we are there yet. I mean, uh, and hopefully we won't get to that point. So I guess the circuit breaker that implement right now maybe deviate us from from getting there. Yeah. All right, just a quick question here, Dr. Cho. This one is uh, from one of our listeners. He's uh, called George, and it's, uh, he's also asking about ventilation. He says, uh, quick question, what air flu situation is there on a packed public bus or MTR train during rush hour? What about MTR stations themselves? Do they meet the requirements stated by so many of these experts? Do you have any idea? No, I, uh, it's all of my expertise in terms <laughs> of their, their ventilation right. MTR, yeah. All right. Uh, never mind. It's, it's all right. Uh, thanks for your or your or your um, expert advice this morning. Um, we'll have to take a short break for the news summary. And Dr. Cho, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And that's uh, respiratory specialist Dr. Raymond Cho. Also, many thanks to uh, Jeff Bent, the managing director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals. And uh, we'll continue our discussion right after the news when we'll be joined by Professor Lau Yulong, the chairman of the Scientific Committee on Vaccine Preventable Diseases. Dr. Samuel Kwok, the medical director of the Kunchung Community Vaccination Center in Jordan. And uh, Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. Now, a quick look at the weather. It will be mainly fine. The uh, top temperature will be around 23 degrees. Winds light to moderate northeasterlies, strengthening gradually. And uh, right now, the temperature reading at the observatory is 20 degrees. Relative humidity, 84%. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. We're talking about COVID restrictions. If you have any questions or comments on today's topic, feel free to contact us. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is Back Chat on RTHK Radio 3. Joining us on the program now is Professor Lau Yulong, the chairman of the Scientific Committee on Vaccine Preventable Diseases, and Dr. Samuel Kwok, the medical director of the Kunchung Community Vaccination Center in Jordan. Later on in the program, we'll hopefully be joined by Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lankwai Fong Group. Um, good morning to the both of you. Thanks for joining us on Backchat. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, let's go to you first, uh, Professor Lau. With the high transmissibility of the Omicron variant, do you think the timing of the latest COVID measures will be effective in preventing a, a fifth COVID wave? Well, it's uh, better than not doing anything. Uh, from the experience um, in America and in European countries, I think we have to do uh, our utmost in order to make sure the tsunami, if it really comes, will not be a tsunami, but rather try to 
turn it into a big wave that we can handle and would not overwhelm our healthcare system. That is the number one uh, aim. Uh, if you do nothing, and, and as well as not tightening up those measures, as well as perhaps uh, in America, if you think of the ratio of the population, if what actually is happening in Europe and in America happened in Hong Kong, then we'll be facing uh, the number of cases every day will be 20,000 to 30,000. That is an enormous numbers. Um, for example, in UK, the population of Hong Kong is about one-tenth of, of, the, of the British uh, population. And you've just sort of uh, turn one digit down, then you will understand the scale of Omicron. It could be enormous. So I think we have to do everything in order to turn the tsunami, if it really comes, into something that we can handle a, a bigger wave that spread out a longer period of time with the peak not as high as we have seen uh, in Europe and in America. Yeah, so Dr. Samuel Kwok, um, Medical Director of the Kunchung Sports Centre, um, you know, unfortunately, this comes at, at a time when the government um, closed some of the vaccine centres. Given the high demand, how easy is it to reopen some of them in order to meet so that more people can get vaccinated quickly? Um, you're correct in saying that uh, the government is kind of untimely closing some of the uh, vaccination centres. And as of the 1st of January, we have uh, 10 uh, community uh, vaccination centres running, which is um, less than half of the four. Um, this comes at a time where we, ha we have a lot of demand in the uh, vaccination jabs. Uh, but indeed, uh, the government is now actually thinking of opening some uh, new uh, vaccination centres. As I know, maybe uh, in two weeks' time, there will be two more uh, You know, remember last year there were some um, vaccination uh, buses, basically going to large, um, you know, public housing estate and universities. Um, is there a plan to implement those again? Uh, if you're talking about the scale, uh, the community centres are actually better. Community vaccination centres are better in handling large number of uh, people because every day we can entertain over 2,000 cases a day. Of course, we still uh, can entertain people going out using mobile units, going to estates and shopping malls to do jabs, but those are mostly of limited numbers. At most, maybe 200, 300 in number uh, per day. So uh, in, in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, opening up of more uh, community centers would be better. And, and Dr. Kwok, your, your vaccination centre offers uh, Sinovac jabs. What's the situation been like over the past few days? Uh, in fact, we've uh, reached our capacity in the last two days. Um, it's about 2,400 a day already, uh, including those first, first dose, second dose and third dose, as well as the, um, um, yeah, uh, the walk-ins. So we are reaching our capacity. Are most of these people getting their jabs for the first time? Because the government did suggest that people who previously had two Sinovac might be a good idea to get a BioNTech for the booster. So are these people getting a booster or are they getting it for the first time? Well, in fact, um, uh, all jabs are, has gone up, a uh, number of jabs has gone up, and especially we see a, a rapid rise in the first jab, um, I mean the first dose. Uh, is about over a third of the cases are of the first dose. I think it's because of the recent uh, uh, impending wave 
coming in, coming up, and also because of the uh, restrictions of the government for those unvaccinated, maybe not cannot uh, visit restaurants and some other places. So uh, has encouraged more people to come up to come out to do the, the uh, first. Uh, first those jabs. So, so Professor Lau, that's, that's good news, right? It's more people getting vaccinated. That's what we need right now. Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, but obviously, I think um, most of you understand um, the biggest hole in our vaccination program are the elderly. Uh, say, for example, over the 80, I just look at today's figure, it's just uh, 22%, better than a few days back. Uh, for 70, 79, it's, well, just touch uh, 50%. And I've just heard um, the release uh, from the ministers uh, in Singapore last night, uh, in fact, the vaccination uptake rate for the elderly is 95%, 95%. And why they've actually managed to do that, uh, of course, they have mobile units right from the very beginning. Not only that, uh, they would identify elderly who are not mobile, perhaps staying at their own house, uh, perhaps even living alone and cannot move around. And the Singaporean government has already initiated teams of uh, vaccinators uh, to go up to their house and then offer the vaccination. So I think what the government doing now is quite correct, uh, using mobile units going to the housing estates where a lot of elderly are residing. Uh, but we, we must have to the last 100 meters uh, go up their houses. But that depends on how uh, the government would be able uh, to mobilize uh, the local organizations who understand the housing estates well and where these elderly are residing. And, and really reach them, uh, that is the last 100 meters. We, we must go up there uh, because overall our vaccination uh, coverage uh, for the elderly is over 80 is abysmal, is 22%. 70 to 79, just 50%. 60 to 69 is 67%. It's not, not bad, but it's not good enough. If you look at um, Singapore's uh, data, they are now uh, at the threshold of an Omicron uh, tsunami, but I think um, the ministers there are quite confident because uh, they are already reaching the third dose, I think it's touching about 30 or 40%. Not only that, um, they, they also have all the figures at the fingertips. They understand how they would um, move up or down, whatever they need to do, in order to uh, not prevent infection. They understand it's not the infection they need to prevent because you cannot prevent Omicron uh, ultimately. What you want to prevent is the consequence of Omicron infection that turns into severe uh, disease that need hospitalization, oxygen, ventilators, or even deaths. Yeah, so what about for, for children, people under 12 years old? Yeah, sure. Um, of course, the Joint Scientific Committee has uh, convened in December, and at that time, the decision is to wait for a wee bit uh, to understand a bit more. I think we, now with the Omicron, there's no doubt uh, we have to lower the age uh, right down to five or even three for the coronavirus because that is the only vaccine that submitted application uh, to the Hong Kong government. Um, so I am I, I, sure uh, the government is now urging uh, the Department of Health and, and the CHP uh, to really expedite that process. Uh, uh, so through the JSC, of course, we have to respect the procedure. So with me and, and, and the other chairman, uh, David, uh, we will uh, convene or perhaps uh, send sort of um, of a statement to the members and ask for their final uh, opinion on how to expedite this uh, process. So hopefully within the next uh, 10 days, two weeks, uh, we should have good news saying that, yes, we will re relax down uh, to five years of age. Uh -huh. But as uh, Samuel mentioned, I think the capacity of CVC already reached 
uh, if you look at the figure, the total capacity in Hong Kong is about 40,000 jabs a day. And yesterday it's like 38,000. And CVC is the most cost efficient. And I understand, uh, as Samuel mentioned, they are going to recommission some of them. But I don't think two is enough. We should really uh, try to titrate it upwards. Um, and, 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 and I think the government understands that. But the speed is, is the essence uh, here. And Professor Lau, the latest anti-COVID measures, uh, they don't include class suspension. In your view, uh, how much risk will students be facing at school? All right. Um, now, uh, let, let us be clear. Uh, because in Hong Kong, we have never relaxed uh, the face mask. And uh, we also still respect social distancing. Um, so in many ways, uh, trying to control the Omicron, uh, there are two, two aspects. One is the vaccination. Uh, because that would turn the infection back to sort of less severe disease or even asymptomatic disease. Second uh, is the public health measure. That is what we've been understanding in the last, well, two years, really. Um, so in terms of discipline, I think the Hong Kong citizens uh, must be among the most disciplined um, sort of people in the world in terms of uh, COVID or perhaps the experience we have from the SARS. And it's actually sort of really impressed on us. And and, and if you go out to the, you know, uh, our community, uh, very few people not having very much. But if you go to other places, uh, it's not the case. And I think Singapore is the, 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 the nearest to Hong Kong. And we should really look at Singapore, how they actually manage it. Because Omicron, because of its, of its nature, uh, you understand it's actually infectious. Uh, even um, sort of very early on, and the incubation is very short compared to Delta. It's, it's about two to seven days, on average, maybe three to four days. And they are actually infectious um, sort of, uh, very early on. Uh, and now we understand a lot of the, sort of the Omicron cases are asymptomatic, maybe as high as 50 or even more. And from the South African data, even for people with AIDS, uh, they're reaching a figure of 30-40% are asymptomatic. That means you do not know they are infected, uh, but they can transmit the virus. All right, and so Professor Lau, I've got a, a few emails here. Maybe you can help uh, to answer some of the questions, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, or or and also, uh, Dr. Kwok, if, if you can help. Um, this, this email is from uh, Philip. He says, uh, can you please ask the doctors, is the unvaccinated, is it the unvaccinated that will cause the problem? As vaccinated, people appear to have mild symptoms. That's from Phil. And uh, another email I've got here is from Nick. He says, uh, good morning, Backchat. I'm very worried about the risk of being sent to Penny's Bay, not only for the inconvenience, but also as I have a dog and do not have a straightforward care arrangement for him. Are the criteria for being sent to Penny's Bay published somewhere? If, if What if one of my work colleagues is confirmed as having COVID? Or I have had lunch in a restaurant where someone is diagnosed with COVID. Is there a risk of ending up in Penny's Bay simply by eating in a restaurant? And uh, that email is from Nick. Professor Lau or, uh, okay. or Dr. Uh, right, okay. So uh, maybe I've answered the first uh, uh, question first, that is the unvaccinated people. Uh, in fact, the unvaccinated people, if they got infected, uh, they run a much higher risk of having severe disease. Uh, so for, from the personal protection point of view, uh, they have to be accountable to your own health, all right? So I suppose uh, if, if you are elderly, if you have some comorbidities, that means you are suffering from diabetes, heart disease, uh, receiving some drugs that suppress your immunity, and so on, uh, then you are much, much more likely to end up uh, with severe disease, got admitted, 
and would occupy, say, the ICU or ventilators and, 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 and so on. That will impose, uh, if there are hundreds or thousands, then you impose uh, enormous stress on the healthcare system. Once that point is reached, there will be ripple effect. Then uh, the hospitals need to cancel out other so-called non-essential care, like the cancer patient they need to wait. Instead of having the operation next week, uh, they might even need to postpone it. And for the less, quote-unquote, perceived to be serious disease, will even have sort of more delay. Uh, so that consequence is enormous. It's not just for the person who is unvaccinated getting a serious disease himself or herself. It actually has a ripple effect to other people. And the unvaccinated people will be much more infectious than the vaccinated people. So I think it's high time for people who are unvaccinated to think twice uh, of their action and why they do not get the vaccination and what is the consequence to themselves personally, uh, to their friends uh, around, and perhaps to other people they don't even know. And then for the vaccinated people, um, they still get infected, there's no doubt about it, because um, uh, you know, you've heard from the Omicron cases in Hong Kong, they got two jabs, three jabs, uh, whatever it is, you know, BioNTech or, or CoronaVac, it doesn't really matter. The, the nature of this uh, variant is very uh, uh, clear now, it's very transmissible. Even if you had infection before from Delta and so on, you still got infected. Even if you've got two or three doses of vaccines, uh, you still get infected. But the consequence is much less compared to the unvaccinated. So I think the major message, as I've already mentioned many times in the last many months, the purpose of vaccination is not to stop the infection, is to prevent severe disease, to prevent a hospital system got soft to the brink of collapse, mm-hmm. and in order not to affect other uh, citizens uh, with other illnesses that really could not get their care. Um, so the only way out um, really depends on the vaccination coverage to reach as high as possible. Uh, because Hong Kong is um, sort of uh, resource rich, therefore we can offer the third dose. And that would have a marginal benefit as well. So even a marginal benefit would turn out to be of great benefit at the public health level. The marginal benefit to that individual after the third dose uh, would have a bit more protection for about two or three months from beyond that. But it will not last uh, after two or three months, uh, the antibody will still drop. But then, what actually persists, uh, still at a very high level, is a T-cell response. The T-cell evasion is it, it's not as huge as the antibody. It's, the evasion is about 20%, but that is good enough. And that's why vaccinated people, by and large, do not get very severe disease. And the, and the chance of getting severe disease, it would, I think, no more than one-tenth or one-twentieth of those are unvaccinated ones. But of course, personal level, you have to add up your own risk um, sort of profile. Mm-hmm. If you are obese, if you have got illnesses, if you are elderly, then of course you reach uh, that brink and you might even got more severe disease. Mm. Yeah, Professor Lau, you keep mentioning Singapore and this, this, this you know, difference between vaccinated and not vaccinated. And what Singapore is actually doing is if you're not vaccinated, um, then if you catch COVID, you actually have to pay for your own treatment. What do you think of that policy? Um, um, well, um, Hong Kong is Hong Kong, Singapore is Hong Kong. Uh, when we look at Singapore, we learn what we can learn. We do not copy what they do. I think that is the gist of uh, learning. That means you apply whatever you think is most appropriate for your own community. Like, for example, we use the Beyond Tank, of course, but we do not use it as the Americans. The Americans are still insisting the first and second dose uh, interval is 21 days. But in Hong Kong, we extended it to three months because the situation is different. 
in America, you've heard a couple of days ago, the total new case every day, I think it's over a million. I mean, it's enormous. Hmm. What about Singapore? We're talking about Singapore. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, in in Singapore, uh, they they have a high-trust society, and it's very proud. And in fact, the ministers use this high-trust society X number of times when I've listened to their briefing um, uh, last night. So only Singaporean government has that political um, uh, sort of a base uh, to do that. I don't think Hong (laughs) Kong has got that base to do that. So we have to be realistic. You think it's too much? (laughs) Uh, Well... I mean, uh, Hong Kong people are very different from Singaporeans. I'm sure you have been to Singapore with a lot of Singaporean friends. I have many good friends there. So I think uh, we learn what we can and we do what we we can. And mm-hmm. we just do it as well as we can. All right. Uh, uh, now let's uh, bring in Alan Zeman, the uh, chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. Uh, good morning and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Oh, um, all right. I, I think we've uh, lost him. It's all right. We'll go back to him in just a moment. Um, <laughs> Professor Lau, I've got another few more emails here. Maybe you can uh, answer them. Um, this one is uh, from Frank. He says, uh, we all know that at some point in the future, there will be an exit way from our zero COVID policy when Hong Kong one day opens up. What have the government done over the last 12 to 24 months to increase capacity and prepare the hospital system to handle this unavoidable wave? And that email is from Frank. Another email is uh, from Simon. He says, Hong Kong government hasn't uh, been following science for some time now. Zero COVID isn't possible unless we seal the border and live like this for decades to come. It's time to let the virus burn through society in an exit wave. Professor Lau or, or, or Dr. Kwok? Um, okay, could, could I answer the second question first? Because that is of enormous importance. Uh, what, what, what would one perceive burn the way through the COVID waves, all right? It's over 5 million people die already uh, globally, all right? Mm-hmm. And of course, if, it's, if that death is not your beloved ones, it's not your parents, uh, if not your spouse, you do not feel it. So it's a rather um, arrogant way of saying that. Uh, so I'm, I'm so, so sorry to use such heavy words, but I, I really need to make that point. Um, so five, over five million lives lost. Of course, people would say, oh, these are elderly, these are the sick, and they, they die. You know, that is one way of looking at, at uh, what we should do. But I don't think that is the way that I want to do it. And I think we must chart the course to have as minimum loss of lives as possible. And of course, at that will come at a cost of people not able to go to ski, to spa, to good places to enjoy your life. Uh, of course, business would suffer, profits will go down, and so on. So there must be a balance. So I think uh, there's really no um, sort of a, a and then no B. So I think the zero COVID or near zero COVID, uh, with living with uh, you know the the virus uh, should be in parallel and it must be managed in terms of the time of the pandemic how much that you need to do uh, on each of these two aspects and i think uh, singapore in a way has done it in in the most measured way in singapore you think they are living with um, you know the virus but they live with the virus very differently from the americans and from the europeans and the minister already mentioned it uh, they still have the mask they still have a lot of the social distancing they still maintain the group size and there's still a lot of restrictions on social and and other uh, activities so it's very different 
All right. Uh, now let's uh, bring in Alan Zeman, uh, the chairman of the Lan Kui Fong Group. Uh, good morning and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Hello? Oh. Alan Zeman, are you there? Yeah, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just get rid of this. One sec, one sec. Mm. Maybe we can go back to Professor Lau for one brief question. Professor Lau, you're also with the Department of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine. You know, yesterday when the chief executive explained um, that, that we can't close schools because the uh, impact on young children not being able to go to school is, is very severe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what have we learned so far of the impact on the okay. students? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, 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 a pediatrician. I still look after children. I still do my clinic. Uh, what I could tell you, uh, because of the school closure as well as all the other measures that we need to implement, a lot of our children now really, <laughs> first thing, <laughs> has gained enormous weight. All right, A lot of them <laughs> got overweight uh, because of lack of activity, especially those uh, from the less uh, resourced families. Uh, they don't have much exercise and they eat not as well. Uh, so in terms of general health, they deteriorated uh, a lot, and it is in a large scale. Second, um, I suppose uh, children actually learn through uh, socialization with their friends uh, and so on. So it's not only academic. So through the, the Zoom uh, teaching and so on, of course, they have learned some hard facts, but uh, you have Zoom meeting as well. You understand how you can conduct a Zoom meeting. You can switch half of your brain off and you still can Zoom, you know. Uh, it's very different from face-to-face uh, -face, uh, learning. And third, a lot of the young children, because of the school closure, has gone into a kind of, uh, not depressed mode, but a very down mode. And, and they have got anxiety. And so those would be the psychological health as well. Um, and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think school closure is not, um, uh, is, is, is not an easy decision. Uh, at one point, we might need to close the school, but not at this uh, point. Uh, for the uh, you know, secondary school children, I just looked at a chart this morning. Um, the vaccine coverage is now 78.5%. All right, so that has actually gone up uh, maybe six or seven points uh, since December when, uh, well, you know, since uh, I think the early December when we allowed uh, them to have access uh, to coronavirus, and that has increased uh, a little bit. Um, so even if uh, Omicron has sort of occurred in the secondary school, it, it will be of a limited scale. Uh, of course, uh, it might still spread. And then the secondary school's children uh, will, will get maybe a one or two or percent or whatever would get mild disease. I'll give you another figure I've just heard from Singapore. Mm -hmm. And now they have 200, uh, two, oh, just over 2,200 uh, Omicron cases. And of that, only three actually require oxygen. And then oh. they only require oxygen to That's only three days. That's very encouraging. Only three days. And these are all vaccinated people because in Singapore, <laughs> over... Uh, nearly 90% got vaccinated, and they, they start off with the, 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 the most vulnerable groups. So I think we must reach the vulnerable groups. And people are so arrogant uh, in, in a sense that they want a third and a fourth and a fifth dose, and they forget in Hong Kong, we still got this enormous gap in the elderly, the 779. So we must use more energy and resources and, and our efforts uh, to raise that. Yeah, All right. All right, Professor Lau. Yeah. All right, Professor Lau. Um, let's uh, let's now go to uh, um, Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lan Kui Fong Group. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, welcome to the program. So, um, what, with the latest COVID measures, uh, bars will be closed again, and no dining in at restaurants after six p.m. This sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? Yes, it certainly does. But uh, I thought we were done with it because you know, almost for the past 
six months, eight months, uh, we've been able to survive under the conditions, uh, but we've been doing very, very well, actually. Everybody in general was doing great because people could not travel, and because of the uh, 21-day quarantine, uh, people stayed home and went out and spent money. The domestic market has been very, very good. And uh, do you think, I mean, how much, I mean, how, do you think this will lead to more closures of restaurants and bars? This, this? It depends how long this goes. Uh, I, I'm a bit optimistic myself because yesterday I think there was a panic because there was that 42-year-old man that uh, came down with Omicron in Chinmun and, and uh, they had no idea. They thought that probably they didn't know where it came from and it was in the community. And basically overnight they were able to link him up with uh, the mother of an attend flight attendant uh, who had breakfast in a restaurant uh, and he was sitting near her and she's come down with covid as well and so and, and, and with uh, omicron and so basically uh, um i feel more relaxed you know the hong kong government has been able we've handled it very very well uh in this past year uh, i know there's complaints about the 21 day quarantine but that's really really helped and and so i think that uh Hopefully, uh, I think Carrie Lam is trying to get this over with before Chinese New Year's, and that's why uh, suddenly the reversal on these uh, kind of these drastic measures that were uh, kind of all, all the uh, medical uh, advisors had said that we have to do immediately, otherwise it's going to spread through the community. But hopefully, if we can get a handle on it, I think we can go back to. Um, the way we've we've been the last uh, number of months. Yeah, you know, Alan, most of these uh, Omicron cases are spreading in restaurants, and and today we have somebody in Tinhao who went mm. to a, a, a restaurant. Um, we had Jeff Bent um, from the Worldwide Cruise Terminals earlier. He he pointed out that the ventilation and airflow requirements on cruise ships are way higher than the restaurants. Mm. What is being done within the industry to improve that? Well, I think uh, that's something that the, the advisors, especially in Kwak Yun, has been going around and saying uh, that uh, it's important uh, to get uh, more ventilation. And I think many of the restaurants have uh, it, I've put that in. The, uh, the health department has really uh, been going around and making sure that uh, you can do it. You know, it's not that easy to do because it's not built in originally. Uh, you've got to add them in. So the, I think everybody... No one wants to have their their restaurants or bars closed, obviously, or gyms or whatever it is. And so everybody is doing whatever they can to really comply with the, uh, all, the, all the regulations. And, and hopefully, as I say, we can get through it uh, quite quickly. Everyone in Hong Kong at least wears a mask, unlike other countries where we've seen this spread tremendously. And that's put a fear of God into everyone. But I think that... Uh, here we follow regulations and, and the restaurants, the bars, the, you know, everyone does follow everything. And so hopefully we've kept it, we've kept uh, the Delta at bay for uh, a, a long time, for a year. And hopefully now uh, we can do the same with this Omicron. Yes, hopefully we can. Yeah. Um, all right, Mr. Zeman, we'll have to leave it there for now. Okay. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lan Kui Fong Group. Many thanks also to uh, Professor Lau Yulong, the chairman of the Scientific Committee on Vaccine Preventable Diseases, and Dr. Samuel Kwok, the medical director of the Kunchun Community Vaccination Center in Jordan. Also, many thanks to you for commenting through email and our Facebook page. Now, the weather forecast. It'll be a mainly fine. The top temperature will be around 23 degrees. Wind light to moderate northeasterlies, strengthening gradually. Right now it's 20 degrees, relative humidity 81%.
as the risk of severe disease and death from COVID-19 increases with age. Vaccines are highly recommended for the elderly. Common side effects are usually mild and temporary. Experts advise that those who have had flu shots before can safely receive COVID-19 vaccines. Even if you have a disease, you should get vaccinated as long as your condition is stable. Just staying home doesn't mean you're free from the risk of infection. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated early. It's 9.32, the news with Andrew Shirovsky. A prominent virologist has questioned why the government is waiting to tighten pandemic restrictions. Professor Malik Paris from the University of Hong Kong called for decisive intervention right now, given how quickly the Omicron variant spreads. He also said the government should consider opening up more vaccination centers as more people rush to get jabs. Officials have concluded three lockdown and testing operations imposed overnight with no positive cases found. They carried out 135 tests at Serene Court on Tinhao Temple Road in Causeway Bay, 320 checks at a block of the Providence Center in North Point, and 60 tests at Rockview Gardens on Tachi Avenue in Kowloon Tong. And the world's top tennis player, Novak Djokovic, has been denied entry to Australia to compete in the Australian Open after authorities cancelled his visa. The tennis star spent the night at Melbourne Airport as authorities debated whether his visa allowed the star to enter the country without declaring his vaccination status. We'll have more on these and other stories at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, interpreter of Beethoven, as well as also shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really quiet dance, it's not really for characters. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decide of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you. Thursday it is. And we're rock and roll for a bit more animal magic because after 11, our vet, Dr. David Gething, will be us for the first Lampo stop of 2022. Now, in a coincidentally timely, yet obviously completely unrelated to current events, move, there have been some changes in thinking about how often to vaccinate our pets. And for some vaccines, the vets are deciding one year, nah, three years, yes. Also, there are still many mystery diseases out there, including one that they are calling the Great Imitator. It comes up like diabetes and other things, but it isn't. So we're going to go there as well. Do ask Dave any questions you may have, morningbrew at rthk.hk, or just find us on our Facebook page, nice and easy. And of course, he can answer you straight away. Well, 